I feel so old with my glasses now. Look, we <laughs> all we all have them. Vic's the only cool one. Look, he's wearing shades. Yeah. He's yeah. I, I, honestly, I also need glasses. Uh, I have contacts <laughs> in though, so I can look cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've given. I up gave up contacts cool. years ago. I was like, yeah, I wore contacts for thirty years, and <laughs> I got some. I got a pair of glasses just to have when I didn't want to wear contacts, and I'm like. Oh my God, I don't have to take these in and out every day. Oh, I'm not going back. Oh God, <laughs> right. Is this a podcast for old men? What the yeah. hell? <laughs> That's right, Blood Letter. You hit a certain Jeez. age and you just don't care yeah. anymore. Nice. You got an old man there. No, I just okay. had to get on and say, Crip Kicker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Funny. All right. We well, have all assembled. Look at this group. I what know. A what a motley look bunch this, this look is. Look at Motley crew. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> We need to do this for the horror movies too. I know, but some people Dreadpool some, doesn't I like know horror Dreadpool. movies. What's up? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I'm not into them. I don't have anything to add. Well, what not, is your favorite? Big, uh, what are, what do you what got going on there? That's really cool. That's what right. is that? See, nice. you like that? Dreadpool likes the American yeah. Girl story movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm into the teenage <laughs> angst stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could talk about some of, like. some of that. Some of that rom coms, those mm-hmm. sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, well, boy. we should probably. Uh, all right. Probably get yeah. going. Uh, we got this great intro, and now we have so many people here. This is exciting. Great um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna split. No, great no, you gotta oh, stay well, around. Stay oh. Do you want you me to stay, stay around for the intro? Yes, you gotta stay yeah. around to ask a few questions. I mean, you're here. Come on. <laughs> it's seven o'clock. What time does Calum go to bed? <laughs> Come on. Well, I'm waiting for him. She puts the kids to bed early so she can drink wine and shit. I guess so. Hell yeah. She's got plans with Mr. Bones. Smoke a couple right dubs. Right. Mr. Bones. Right, stay around for the intro. Talk to Eric. Let him know how you, you, love. Do, you can do your thing. Then you, you have to leave. So. Oh, I just wanted to say hi. I really don't have. I just wanted to say hi. Okay. That's, it. That's really all I want. That's it, all right. Mom. Beat it then. Hi. You're bringing hi. us down. You, you, went to, you know, Eric, because you went to school, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's start this thing. Let's start let's it. Do our stupid intro. <laughs> you love this intro. <laughs> Dumb, Dumb intro. <laughs> oh, come on, Dreadball. You love uh, it. You're a secret fan. That's right. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll, we'll we'll see what they think. Hey, this is Ralph Sheepers, and you're listening and watching to Heavy Metal Horror. I... Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> and... I am Montag, Master of Illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. Hey, I'm Chop Topping. This is heavy. And Dreadbull. And Bloodletter. I'm Vic. <laughs> And you are listening to Heavy Heavy Metal Metal Horror. Oh, kids, tonight we have a phenomenal show. 
Oh, and look, the gang's all here. We've we have so many people here tonight. It's a party. It's a party. It's amazing. Tonight we are going to be interviewing Cleveland metal legend Eric Elkins, who you may know from bands such as Crypt Kicker and Beyond Fear, among others. So, Eric, welcome to Heavy Metal Horror. It is great to have you on. Thanks for having me, fellas. It's awesome to be on. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, we've been excited to talk with you. Got some good stories to tell you. Got a really good story to tell you about a Crypt Kicker show that Dreadbull has been <laughs> living for the last 30 years or so, 25 years. Yeah, about 30, Can't I think. Wait. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you got the worst end of that one. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I certainly <laughs> did. Why we're still friends amazes me. But anyway. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Well, your mom gave me money, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably as about as much as my mom gave yours. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was a lot of money changing yeah, hands. Let's I put it here. My mom, oh, Mark is just so unpopular. Let's just pay some nice kid to play with him. Uh, so, hey, Eric. Um, you know, we are just going to have some fun tonight, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about your music. You've been playing for a long time. You've got a lot of experiences, a lot of stories. We want to hear all of them, <laughs> and uh, we're just going to have a good time. So, um, and, and we have some some special. We have a special game. You know, maybe we should just start with that. Should we start with the spin the wheel? No, no. Let's, let's get let's let's we'll save that. Yeah. Get right into it. Okay, let, let's just start it. Yeah. Okay. All right, Eric. First question. Here's, uh, how did you first get into music? Uh, probably playing drums was, uh, I had an older brother. Well, I still have an older brother named Larry. <laughs> but yeah, he played drums. And uh, yeah, they were just always around growing up. So just started banging on them at an early age and then got into, uh, you know, band class and elementary school, junior high and high school. And then eventually led into like meeting buddies, you know, classmates who, you know, buddy of mine, Rick Beamer played guitar. And then another buddy, Dan Cabasso played bass. And we started our first band called Ezra, which uh, we ripped off the Van Halen logo. We used the wings, you know, and the V H. <laughs> we did that with the, with Oh, nice job, and Weezer. And Good job, Weezer. You know, that I painted up with the logo on it, you know, with spray nice. paint. But, nice. uh, but yeah. But what, I remember what, Ezra from, uh, like, yeah, I remember that from high school. We were the and, only band to ever play our homecoming dance. We played, like, three songs. They allowed us to play three songs. That's cool, that though, like, man. That's cool. That is we're awesome, yeah. Oh. What, what, do you remember those three songs, what they were? No, they were, like, covers. I think one was probably, like, uh, Van Halen's version of You Really Got Me. And then I think we had an original, you know, that I'm sure went over really well with the dance crowd. <laughs> Clowns <laughs> never laughed before. Yeah, they probably loved it. <laughs> they were all just glaring at us like, okay, you guys can, you know, stop at any time now. Yeah, like the 22 minute version of Inagata de Vida, something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> About three and a half minutes into it, you're like, okay, this song can end. You know? <laughs> nice. People nice. kind of want to dance now. Well, they can yeah. slow dance. You're killing my buzz. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, uh, what, uh, what attracted you to, like, you know, the hard rock and, and the metal scene then? 
you know, as far as genres? Uh, my brother, uh, Jeff, who, uh, yeah, he passed away back in 2009, not to bring down the show, but he was a huge, like hard rock and metal fan growing up. So I had my dad who like listened to the old school, uh, you know, Roy Orbison and Hank Williams senior and all the old school country and rock stuff. And then my brothers listened to all the hard rock and that kind of got me influenced in the, you know, just harder music in general, I guess. You know, I remember a lot of, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I remember a lot of Hee Haw being on at your house when your, 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 <laughs> you your dad was always watching Hee Haw. <laughs> <laughs> Every Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. It was I always, was I always remember Hee Haw. <laughs> yeah. Buck Owens, Roy Clark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My next acoustic, my next guitar I'm buying is a, is a Buck Owens, red, white, and blue. Red, I'm, white, a, blue. I'm totally getting one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, you had mentioned Van Halen. So like what other bands or artists influence your earlier musical interests? Uh, Zeppelin for sure. Uh, you know, Sabbath. Um, yeah. Deep Purple. You name it. All the classic like hard rock bands of the 70s growing up. Hendrix and, uh, you know, the Beatles, who all that stuff as an early, you know, early, you know, four or five year old kid. I remember just loving like that stuff, like revolution by the beatles i love that tune you know as a kid it was so hard to me you know the guitars and stuff seemed so it was a heavy song at the time yeah 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 by today's standards it's not but yeah um and then it progressed you know i had buddies that were way into like uh uh well rick beamer for instance yeah he was into you know the slayer and exodus and uh, exciter and all this like new you know, thrash that was coming out, merciful, uh, merciful fate, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it was just so scary to me. You know, back then. <laughs> plus I was a church kid. Yeah. I was just like, "There's no way yeah, my parents are going to let me listen to this." I yeah. had to hide, like, shout at the devil, like it was drunk. <laughs> I had to stare spot. <laughs> I, I, I had to take the You're not shouting with the devil. So You're shouting it. at the devil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mom. Exactly. Yeah, they weren't shouting. <laughs> Not shouting with the devil. I I still hide mine from my mom, so I get it. Right? Uh, Yeah. Mark devil albums in your porn. Mark Allen, what are? Do you have devil albums on you? You know, I get those calls. That was on you. That's a big no-no. Right. Well, speaking of albums, man, do you uh, remember the very first album you bought, like with your own money? Hmm. My own money. Let me see. That's a good question. Now. Wow, that's why it might so have been Power Slave. I think it was Power oh, Slave. Oh, nice. yeah, yes. yeah. I believe so. Excellent. How could you not Probably. let that cover is going to grab your attention right away, man? One of the best covers right. ever. Yeah, you know, a big it's pyramid cool. on there. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was back when there's something to look at album covers. You yeah. both, you guys, actually were into that before I was. I remember, you know, because you're a couple of years older than me, mm-hmm. a few years, whatever, but. You guys were way into Maiden before I was. I kind of got into I had other friends, like I said, that were into the thrash and stuff before I eventually got into it. You know, they were introducing me to that stuff, you know. And uh I yeah, I remember growing up and you guys were really into Maiden. And uh yeah, it was cool. <laughs> kind of pushed me into that direction too. You guys nice. and a couple buddies. 
Nice. So yeah. it's safe to say you wouldn't be where you are without <laughs> us. So <laughs> one for you guys. That's kind of nice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, now it feel, feels pretty good. That's right. You're welcome. I so, think we can just shut the show down now. We've, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. we've made it. We've, <sighs> we've done all we can. We need to do. Just when we That's thought it. we couldn't all get right, any you, better guys. than we were. <laughs> Mind blown. Imagine yeah. That. Well, that was, uh, in, yeah, I have to thank uh, Monte. You didn't know it, did you? Intimated. You had no clue. I didn't. Did not know that. Wow, that's great. No, I didn't know either. Um, well, as we all know you from the like the first first big band that you were in was Crypt Kicker, a uh, big Cleveland metal band. And um, I was just doing a little research in the Crypt Kicker because, you know, there's some stuff out there. But uh, that, that first CD you brought out, what was it unusual? Was it what was it? The high unusually high level unusually of hate? High level hate. Yes. Oh, yes. See, right there. Big Scott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Baby. Yes. Nice. Um, that sold 20,000 units. Do you know that? Yeah, I heard that, you know, it was like kind of weird, you know, but you don't really think about it too much back then. I know, uh, record exchange, we would sell out so fast that they were like, we couldn't keep up with the demand. Cause as soon as we get a few hundred bucks, we'd spend it on t-shirts or something else. So you wouldn't have to. <laughs> you know, the, the couple grand that you needed at all at once to produce a thousand. So they just started buying them. Like, like, look, we'll, we'll pay up front to have these produce and we'll give you, you know, five bucks a CD. So we, it was nice. a win-win, you know, it was sure. nice. yeah. you know paying all the upfront costs and we got five bucks a disc and we try to keep the, the, the cost low as much as we could. So kids could afford it and, sure. you know, keep the t-shirt costs low. And that was part of, probably you know part of the reason why it sold so many because we kept it affordable it wasn't 15 dollars. it was right. like, I think five bucks or under 10 bucks when we first started selling them you know yeah hey let's face it i mean in the in the 90s man in the cleveland metal scene you guys were you know you guys were the name in the in cleveland you know, through yeah. a good chunk <laughs> of the 90s you yeah know? i mean you guys were yeah Big big draw. I mean, it was Crip Kicker all nice. the, uh, you know all over the place. So that was that was awesome. I, along those lines, I'm shocked you guys never got signed throughout all that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Popular as you guys touch, were can, locally can, and in. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Vic. No, can we touch on that? I, I was curious yeah. that myself. These guys come in. They all like spend hours. They're like online PhDs. They know everything about you. I'm the asshole that comes in. I'm a wild card. And I don't know shit. You know, I only know I only know that you were in Trip Kicker, Law of Destruction, and you're in that maiden cover band with Ed. That's all I know. And beyond fear, I knew that too. So I want to I want to ask that question. That's a good question. What was there any labels interested? Were were offers turned down? Um, if you could elaborate on that, that's that would be yeah, incredibly sure. interesting because you guys did have a massive following, at mm-hmm. least in Lorain County. And uh, Mark saying the 20,000 unit thing, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's fascinating. That's mind blowing to me. So what, what happened there? Was there, was, was anyone, did anyone nuclear blast was a thing then? I mean, what, what was the deal? Did you guys send demos out and just not? Yes. Elaborate. Yeah. We, um, well, we originally started off as Gallows Eve, like the band okay. um, yeah. was more of like a traditional, like thrash power metal band. It started off as like, you know, more like uh, power metal and thrash metal yeah. and more solo-y stuff and noodle-y stuff. It was really cool, actually. But uh, Woody Simmons joined the band and we changed the name to Crip Kicker. And he was the bass player. And he was like, hey, you know what? You guys have really cool riffs and a lot of uh, 
cool parts, but one song could be like four songs, you know, because you just have so many parts and so right. much, so much stuff going on. He goes, let's just take it and simplify things, and uh, you know, just yeah, just basically keep it simple, you know, and and that kind of just is where it took off, and we uh, college radio for sure without Bill Peters mm-hmm. and uh, yeah guys like him and Roger Ganley and just people I'm forgetting about like Pat Kellogg. She, uh, she worked at um, WCSB or something like that. I can't mm. remember back in the day, but so long ago, but yeah, there, that was the way to get music out, you know, for local bands, uh, mm. you know, was college radio. That's where we blew up. And then, you know, obviously opening for uh, national bands, but anyway, yeah, that's how we got kind of recognized and blew up and, um, within a couple of years, labels like Century of Media, I think, and uh, um, uh, Earache, and a uh, couple other, you know, smaller, uh, still good size labels, you know. I yeah. think Relapse, maybe. I can't remember. It's been so long. Even Roadrunner, I think, listened to stuff, and then they they turned it down. Okay. But, um, but yeah, there was just like things that happened, issues with the band. And we turned down a couple offers that, you know, we thought, okay, well, we'll just wait for the next next right. best offer. And uh, yeah, eventually they just dried up, you know. But then there was personal issues with the band that kind of hurt, you know, our trajectory and stuff, you know. But, How long did you so- guys end up playing together? How long was Crip Kicker going? Uh, with, uh, with that lineup, I think it was yeah. about five or six years. Okay. The original lineup recorded, you know, that recorded all the material. Um, yeah, I think 94, well, maybe 94 to 90, wait, excuse me, 94 to 2001, 2002. So it's probably seven, eight years okay. with, with the original lineup. You guys have any uh, regrets turning, turning down any of those offers looking back now, you know, in hindsight? Um, or were you happy how, how things played out for you guys? Yeah, I guess it just happened. It happens the way it was supposed to happen, I guess, you know, kind of got to look at it. You know, at the time it was like, oh, geez, you know, there was our opportunity blown, you know, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. It happened well, I, it worked out for you, though, because ultimately you would go on to do all the things that you would have done had you been signed with Crib Kicker with Beyond Fear, no? Exactly. Yeah, so I, yeah, funny. that's because after Crip Kicker, I had an offer to join a band out in L.A. And a uh, singer that was from the Ohio, like Canton area, actually auditioned for them. He he was friends with uh, Dez from Cold Chamber, actually. Right. When they uh, when they first got their start, they would play at Ron's Crossroads in Akron a lot before okay. Cold Chamber blew up in the you know late 90s. Cool. And a friend of mine... Uh, he auditioned for vocals for this band speak no evil and then they needed a drummer they actually had two records out on universal records in uh 99 and 2001 i believe and uh you know they had the singer and drummer quit so they were looking for a drummer and i basically auditioned with my crypt kicker cds because i was working you know construction in the union i couldn't fly out to la you know i just couldn't afford to do that so I'm like, let's just basically, I'll, I'll send you what, what I've done. And if you like what you hear, that's I got to be my audition, you know? Yeah. And they liked it. They said, you know, 
you've got the job if you want it. And uh, yeah, I moved out there. It was crazy. All this stuff happened to me on my way out there. Like just stuff that just seems like I was cursed, you know, like I shouldn't be going to LA. Right. But I went out there for a summer and it was really cool. I met some cool people. The first night I was in Hollywood, I met this, uh, ran into exactly, her name was uh, Pat Kellogg. I was just talking about her. But she she moved out to L.A. to work with uh, one of the labels out there. But it was funny because she recognized my buddy's Indian shirt. when We were hanging out at one of the clubs yeah. and she seen me and she goes, you were a crib kicker. And the guy that was the bass player in the band oh, that I just crazy. moved out there to join. He goes, dude, he goes, you've been here like five minutes you know, you've met, like, sorry, from Cleveland, like five minutes. He goes, seriously, I go, I don't know. You know, what am I supposed to say? But it was just weird. It was like, wow, small world. But yeah, I went all the way out there to make it big. That fell through. And then I come back home. And then within a year, I'm jamming with it with, with, with Ripper. So it was like, yeah. it was just meant to be, you know, just come back home. And How did that connection come about? Let's talk about Beyond Fear. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How did you end up getting connected with that project? Oh, that was through uh, John Capri. He was a guitar player and a uh, lead guitar player in Beyond Fear. We were in a band called Law of Destruction which was okay. like oh okay yeah we Real we played with you guys stuff. at least once yeah yep yep we nice. played with vindicator nice. yeah before we before we actually had any type of like connections we i knew you prior to to all the family connections we have now so it's that's wild yeah. how that works that's a small world you know i know it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is nuts but yeah that's how beyond fear formed was through uh, uh jamming and law of destruction and John approached us one day at rehearsal. It was like, hey, we knew he had a relationship with Tim. They knew each other from his days when he was in Spawn. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember Spawn yeah. back in the 90s. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Akron band. So Tim and John had a history from those days. And um, he just says, hey, you know, Tim and I have been writing songs together. He's looking to start a band. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah who the hell so yeah i'm looking for something bigger <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. 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 waiting for something better how was that first meeting you know i mean because i mean you're both local guys that's that's the great thing about this is like cleveland akron um but like by the time you you meet tim you know he's already sung for judas priest and iced earth and and then he forms his band. So, you know, how was that? How was that first meeting? We bonded over chips and salsa at his local <laughs> favorite Mexican restaurant. It was awesome. Yeah, we met there, had some drinks, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you want to jam? Here's four songs that we've demoed with the drum machine. Here you go. Oh, learn these songs." We had two rehearsals and um, recorded those songs. I think at the lava room at billy morrison's studio yeah. and uh yeah within like a month we were signed to spv it was like wow that's easy <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, so this is how it's done tim <laughs> oh wow but that's... yeah that it, it happened really fast i think within two months we were opening um we were playing on um you know big outdoor festival in monterey it was the monterey metal fest in 2005 with like Danzig and motorhead uh, co-headlining and we actually played like right after metal church and i was just like i was pumped to see metal church you know it's like one of my mm-hmm. favorite bands 
the first album especially that was classic but yeah it happened really quick you know being tim's notoriety yeah right we were lucky we were fortunate so i mean you you play with all these bands i mean what did you get to like hang out? Cause I know you guys also like open for anthrax and like, did you like hang out with motorhead? I mean, do you hang out with metal church? I mean, when you're doing these festivals, are you, you know, do they, do they know you or do they know Tim or, you know, how does that work? Like you're just like going on like, Hey, anthrax, Hey, motorhead, hey, metal church. how's it going? Yeah. They're like, they're like, Hey, Ripper and Ripper's band. good enough good enough well (laughs) just tag along i mean dude you you hung out with dio did you not yes yeah that was crazy yeah i'd love to hear that story yeah yeah that dinner story please eric uh if you can embellish on that with uh ronnie james and his wife wendy wendy yeah she actually that that point of the that was in the anthrax tour and um we were on like our third third show of the tour and she she uh, actually rode the bus with us that, that first week of the tour because we were we, you know we started off in uh, scotland and then first leg of the tour was in you know great britain so uh that night i think it was wolverhampton english she says hey ronnie's um Ronnie's going to be at the show tonight. He's recording with uh, Black Sabbath again. It's going to be heaven and hell now instead of Black Sabbath. But they were actually in the studio recording those songs while, you know, we were on tour. And uh, like five minutes before we go on, I'm like waiting behind the curtain. Okay, you know, I'm getting, you know, get the butterflies and stuff. Okay. And uh, here's here comes Ronnie and he's wearing like this long kind of like fur coat. (laughs) And he goes, Hi, I'm Ronnie James Dio. I'm like, fuck yeah, you are. Dude. <laughs> hey, man, you know, I was so proud. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like, right? man. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's Ronnie James Dio. Don't fuck up now. Now I gotta go play. And he stood there like our whole set back, you know, and watched our whole, you know, 45 minute set. But then afterwards, the the funny thing was too, his his crew, like his uh drum tech and guitar techs and, you know, monitor guy in front of house guy and all that tour manager were, were all our, you know, crew for the tour. So he had that relationship with all these guys and we were just, you know, me, you know, meeting all these guys for the first time on that tour. So, um, yeah, we benefited from having this total pro, you know, road crew. I'm used to like setting up my own stuff and, you know, I go to clean the symbols and set in the you know the roadies like dude get your hands off this stuff <laughs> you know it's my job <laughs> you're you're the performer I'm the crew you know leave it alone and I'm just like whoa you know I'm not used to that at all but um yeah he he actually he took us out to dinner later that night at Indian restaurant I never had Indian food till that night you know so that was cool but he sat you know at the table it was like the seeing out the last supper or something <laughs> like Ronnie and all his disciples you know <laughs> you know and i made sure i sat right across from him i was like no you guys i'm like put up elbows fighting these dudes off like get away from me i'm sitting right across from the man you know right the man and, uh, the cool thing was john was like hey what's um what's man on the silver mountain about and he says uh well, when I was a kid, I read a lot of books about, you know, uh, 
you know, mythology and, uh, and knights and, and things like that and dragons and, and stuff like that. But he said it's just uh, basically the belief of being, you know, all powerful and you're the man on top of the world, the man on the silver mountain. It was kind of, you know, that whole, you know, being a kid, that's where it all came from, reading those books, he said. But, yeah, it was, it was cool. He told us the stories about when he toured. And he was just so friendly and kind and, and gracious and generous. And I mean, he paid for everybody's dinner for number one, you know, nobody had to pay for dinner. <laughs> and, Damn, uh, imagine that. Imagine Ronnie James Dio buying you dinner. <laughs> yeah, right. I should have been Damn. buying him dinner, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, he actually told us an interesting story about his time in Rainbow. He didn't say Rainbow, but he goes, this is a band I was in before. You know, uh, Sabbath days, um, uh, you know, the guitarist was a really famous guitar player. And he said, uh, after, after, you know, shows, cause we were just like, man, you're so great. You're so humble. You're so kind. And he's like, you know, I learned a lesson a long time ago. He goes, I always wanted to treat people, you know, like I, you know, want to be treated the golden rule, you know, treat others how you want to be yeah. treated. And, uh, he said, uh, these fans would wait, you know, you know, for, for an hour or whatever, after the show, you know, just to get like, you know, a minute of your time an autograph or a yeah. photo. And he goes that one minute is going to make their freaking life. You know, they're going to be your fan for the rest of your life. That's all you got to mm -hmm. take that one minute of your time. And uh, he goes, there's no harm in that. Sign somebody's autograph, take a picture. But he said he would be so rude and tell people piss off, fuck off, get the fuck away from me. You know, and he's just like, these kids would just look like, oh my God, my hero just like cursed me out and, yeah. uh, you know, told me yeah. to fuck off, you know. And he mm. goes, they were so disappointed and he goes, you know, you didn't have to, he, he just didn't want to leave his fans with that same disappointment. So he said yeah. he always took that time. Yeah, because once that happens, it doesn't come back. You know, yeah. yeah, you, yeah we, last we, yep. First and last impression, you know, I guess, or whatever, but yeah, right. outstanding gentleman and a human being. Absolutely. Oh. Um, what was it like, you know, with John Oliva in there too? Sabotage. Like, because you had that dinner with uh, my recollection of what I've heard. You've had uh, dinner with John Oliva Sabotage. What was that like with between him and Ronnie and you? And oh, man, and I'm, I'm so freaking lucky. Let me say that. I'm so lucky to have met the people and played the shows. Yeah. And when it, we do these things, I was just like, oh, my God, it's it's so-and-so. It's John Oliva. <laughs> it's uh, the guys from Anthrax. It's I'm sorry. It's Ronnie James. You know what I mean? And I'm like yeah, <laughs> a, a super huge fan. And you're so, like, nervous to approach these people at the same time, you know. But then you're on the same stage as they are. But I don't ever look at myself as like on that level. You know, I always felt like I was just fan fortunate enough to be on the same stage playing shows like a dream come true, you know. <laughs> but um, John Oliva was we did like a two week lake with him down the, the East Coast kind of deal. And uh, 2005, but he was uh, just another great guy. He was so much fun. He liked to put them down too. Let me tell you, the Jägermeister. <laughs> oh like, no, the uh, Jäger. Oh, we got to go to that story eventually. We will get there. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah. He liked to put them down. So we had a lot of fun with him too, and he was super kind and gracious. He took us under his wing. He was like a father to us at two weeks. You know. That's so cool. That's man. awesome, man. That's great. <laughs> that is so uh, cool. Yeah, uh, there are just. 
we could I could hear these stories for hours. You know, uh, uh, just, one more before we sure. leave beyond fear. Yeah. You gotta you gotta tell the story you told me a long time ago about when you were touring with Beyond Fear <laughs> in Mexico, and about the dream you had when you were a kid. Remember that story mm-hmm. you told me? Yeah, that was a trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah Don't tell that. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, no, I just had this dream years ago. I was probably, I don't know, late teens. I might have even been 20 for all I know. It was a long freaking time ago, but I was young. But it was like I was playing in this big uh, arena, but it was more like a huge barn. Imagine a barn that held like 10,000 people. You know, <laughs> so... So, yeah, basically had a dirt floor, but in my dream, I'm up on stage with Dio, you know. But then years later, fast forward, like 2008, we were playing with Queensryche, and we're playing in Monterey, Mexico, and the arena was a bullfighting arena, and it had a big, giant dirt floor, except, you know, Dio, it was Jeff Tate. So close enough. You know? <laughs> close enough. <laughs> I, like, no, so cool. I, I like how he's just dropping names. Oh, yeah, we were touring with Queens. Yeah. Right? Like Queens. Right? Yeah, so, you just, yeah. uh, I was so lucky because I've always been huge fans of all these bands. And I just feel like such a a fan my you know just like i'm just so lucky to be in this position to be able to play these shows share the stage and you know have these experiences did you like when you when you were doing these shows i mean opening for anthrax opening for queens right i mean how much camaraderie was there between you and the other guys like on during the downtimes between shows on the road i mean you had to like you know, what, did you guys hang out together at all? Or was it just like they did their thing, you did their thing? And yeah. I mean, you had to get to know these guys a little bit, right? Yeah, the um, Anthrax tour for sure. That was a, a, like a month long. So we definitely got to know those guys. Um, uh, Joey Belladonna, super freaking cool. He was just always, you know, hey, guys, how you doing? And uh, I mean, everybody in the band, don't get me wrong. They were all really cool. But um, uh, Danny Spitz. I mean, the guy was awesome. He uh, he would like go, you know, sightseeing with us. Like, hey, I want to show you around. We were in Milan, Italy. He goes, I want to show you one of my favorite places on earth. I'm like, well, shoot, you know, we got to go, you know. And yeah, they were they were all just super, I mean, friendly and uh, uh, Frankie Bello, Charlie. I mean, they were all super cool. Scotty and, you know. Do you, like, you and Charlie talk drums at all? Like playing, you know like what? talk He's about really- he's kind of a, a quiet guy in reserve. He's super friendly. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, um, I was just really nervous to approach him. To sure. be honest, I was just like, man, this is one of my heroes, but <laughs> I should have grew a pair of balls and said, Hey, Charlie, you know, how do you tune your snare or something? You know, but I was just like, you know? Yeah. I can imagine. I could totally get that, you know, having that breakthrough, you know, and, and I guess, I guess over time you would, I would think it would, it would go away, but if, if he's reserved and you're afraid to go, you know, talk to him, I guess you could spend a month on the road and like not have two conversations with him, you know? Yeah, we yeah. did. We did talk. It was like small talk. Hey, how sure. you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Oh, great, man. Right. Oh, good show last night, you know, kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but um, I say the most, yeah, that we did hang out was with uh, Joey Belladonna and Danny Spitz and yeah. Frankie Bello. Mm-hmm. But uh, Scotty, yeah, and Charlie were a little more reserved. They're super friendly guys. Don't get me wrong. I love sure. them. They were great to us. 
the one cool thing was they kind of like at the end of the tour, we ended in uh, Italy and I'm up on stage every night of the tour. I could smell freaking weed. Like every <laughs> night I'm back there playing. I'm like, where is, where's the smell coming from? And I like to partake. So I'm like, you know, I'm back there. <laughs> fire up, fire up. Where's it coming from? You know? And then finally the uh, guitar tech, from uh, Anthrax revealed, you know, he'd been hiding behind like the monitors, <laughs> like blowing puffs, you know, in between the wedges and stuff behind me and the curtain and everything. But yeah, Charlie, oh, I'm sorry, Charlie and all those guys were like throwing uh, food from the uh, catering service at me while I was playing the last night of the tour. So I go, that, that's cool. At least they, you know, liked me enough. You to got hazed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hazing. Right. Yeah. Cheese, yep. Yeah, cheese and crackers. I was hungry too, man. <laughs> I, I can imagine, like, you know, uh, when same experience with Queensryche. I mean, did you talk with Scott Rockenfeld and, and, and talk drums, or was it just, you know, how was life on the road with those guys too? That was only like a couple shows, unfortunately. I wish it had been longer. So, oh, uh, we, we were, yeah, it was cool. We got to hang out a couple nights. Didn't talk a whole lot, you know, like I said, a little small talk sometimes, but um, um, Jeff Tate was friendly. He was real peculiar, though, in a way, like, not to sound mean, but he he sort of greeted you like um, like a, um, I don't know, like a TV show game, in a way, like, you know, not as enthusiastic, but he was real <laughs> proper, like, hello, how are you doing today? <laughs> You know, he was, <laughs> it's a very fine evening, isn't it? You know, shake your hand. But he was like, real proud. Because I'm just like, hey, what's up, bro? You know, what's going on, dog? You know? But no, I, I uh, it was funny. That just kind of struck me weird. Because just, you know, no, he's a super nice guy. And they were all cool. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, we did. I, I wish we would have played more shows with them. Definitely. That was fun. We actually did a lot of shows with the uh, Vicious Rumors, those guys from San Francisco. They were a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun with uh, that tour we did. Um, I wish, you know, could have been more. I think the second album, actually, we had a second album with Beyond Fear that was recorded. Everything was tracked except for solos and vocals, and it was pretty much ready to start mixing. I think we had a couple songs that were pretty close mix-wise, that were pretty decent, like you wouldn't be afraid to play them for people. But other than that, everything was really rough, like demo stuff, you know, type quality mix. But uh, it was unfortunate because I thought like the songs were a lot stronger and more true metal and less kind of, you know, like, dang, 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 you know, kind of, yeah, whatever. What what, uh, what genre would you call that? That I just gank, gank, gank? Yeah, gank. yeah, that one. <laughs> um, like Godsmacky mm. kind of genre. Okay, you know, fair enough, fair I enough. think like I think like a lot of stuff on the first Beyond Fear album was was a mixture of like John's songs were more uh, true metal kind of songs, and then the stuff that Tim wrote was more like Godsmack kind of type mm. uh, riffs, you know. Okay. Which I don't, I don't hear that. You can, you I don't can know, hear me, that too. I'm just not into that, you know. I want to hear like more riffy stuff and just more yeah. driving, more, more right. you know, just more driving type stuff. But it was still cool. I was you know glad to play on it don't get me wrong trying to sound like i'm putting it down i just think for for our band and the way that tim sings like 
it would have been more fitting, you know, with more right. metal type direction. Mm-hmm. True. So what metal. ended up happening? That's why I was sitting here wondering, like, why did Beyond Fear only do one album? What what happened to the second Great one? Great question. Yes. Because it doesn't make any money. <laughs> really? That's uh, pretty much it. Yeah. <clears throat> Tim's has. Even you know, even with Owen's name on it, you, it wasn't making wasn't yeah, making enough money would, to. I think we would have to tour so much, and then having to pay us, you know, to go over to Europe and to go, yeah. you know, to these shows in other countries. It yeah. costs too much for him to where he's not making the money that he needs to make, which I understand, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and that was kind of like the issue with with the whole band was basically it just wasn't profitable enough which it kind of sucked i wish even if we didn't tour just remain a recording band right maybe do it you know maybe do a, a few spot festivals or something or right but you know for that sake because there's no money in it but still remain like a you know actual band but no it's cool i i wish uh yeah maybe i'll just throw some of those uh really rough mixes out there <laughs> That'd like, be awesome. Anonymously, let them circulate. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Don't yeah. do it. Well, are Don't you still in it. touch with any <laughs> of these guys? Eric, are you still in touch with any of these guys at all? Like, do you do you do you talk to Tim or any of the guys from Anthrax or Queensrÿche Motorhead? I mean, um, you know, no, not much. You know, um, I would for a little while I was in contact with Joey Belladonna a little bit. You know, he he was doing uh, solo stuff for a little while. Yeah. After after that reunion tour. And then he went back to the band, you know, he was kind of out for a couple few years back yeah. and forth in the uh, mid, mid two thousands or whatever, mid late two thousands. But yeah, then uh, we were supposed to do a show with his band, his solo band in Mexico and all the uh, cartel violence was like spiking. And he got really nervous to travel down there, which I don't blame right. him. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. With his name, you know, like they wouldn't worry about kidnapping me. Like, oh, leave it at Gringo. Yeah, like, oh, dude, I need drywall. I just having to drum, you know, <laughs> you know, for Tim's band. But after the tour, I got to go back to drywall, bro. You know, <laughs> I'm a sheetrock star. Yeah, <laughs> nice. There you yeah, go. That was good. You've been holding Great on that one. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, but yeah, to- um, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe Facebook, that kind of stuff. Basically, keeping in touch with guys like that here and there. You know, you you see their posts and stuff like that. But yeah, that's about the only contact. You know, some of those guys here and there. Well, that's good because you never know if some you know somebody's doing a new project and they need a drummer. Maybe in the back of their head, you know, you've kept in touch with them and like, ah, who do who do I know that draw you know plays drums? You never know. Yeah. You know, strange yeah, when things happen. The, the market for old, you know, middle-aged, <laughs> over-the-hill drummers. <laughs> it's the real crap kicker. <laughs> yes. Oh, hey, dude, old metal guy market. There's a big market for old metal guys, man. I, I can still do it. I just don't look the part much these days. You know, I, you know just for men, you know, I could use some. Hey, you know. Yeah, hey, look at the wrong spots. All of our idols are getting old and gray now. They can still rock, man. You know? <laughs> That's true. I know. Wisdom, they can still wisdom rock. Wisdom hairs. Wisdom hairs, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, Touch of gray. <laughs> Touch of gray, right? That's right. Touch of gray. A little grateful dead in there. Wisdom hairs. So there we go. So all those tours and all those experiences, is there any like is there any stories that you like to tell over and over, like really kick ass? 
funny or just awesome experiences that happened that we haven't touched on yet? Man, I have a great story to tell that Dio told us, but <laughs> I mean, it's not going to get him in trouble now. But I'd like to tell it. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Okay. Come on. Well, okay. Okay. You can right. tell it. And if you really don't, if you really don't want it to go on air, he can edit it out. I can always okay. edit it out. All right. I'm going to tell it. it. All right. Okay. Okay. I don't really give a shit. It was told to me. Well, I didn't do it. You know? uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no he That's said great. we were at dinner and he goes up i said yeah you know I, I got to see on the lock up the wolves tour at nautica in cleveland you know jacob's pavilion now you know whatever it's called i was just there last night for blackberry smoke show which was pretty cool but anyway he says up yeah uh yeah that was a good tour ink bay was opening up for him and he said one night after a, 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 a show him and ink bay are sitting backstage and they're just bullshitting and uh i guess ingve was just really rotten to like his row crew and his guitar <laughs> text and they just nobody oh. liked him man I, you know he said man just like everybody was just like oh my god ingve you know <laughs> <laughs> so um it was uh ronnie's guitar or one of his texts comes in and says hey ronnie would you guys like a drink and uh yeah, Ronnie said, yeah, give me a drink, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he says, uh, Ingve says, uh, yeah, give me a screwdriver, you know. And um, so he goes and makes him a drink, and he brings it back. And um, basically, Ingve sips it and says, you know, this ain't a fucking drink. Give me a real fucking drink. And he, like, tosses it or something, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, Ronnie's uh, roadie goes back into the little bar area, separate room, starts making another drink. But instead of orange juice, oh no, he starts missing the thing, oh, and no. then he said well, he gets busted by Ingray's uh, uh, guitar tech. He walks in on him like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm making Ingray a drink. What do you mean? What am I doing?" And he goes, "Well, here, give it to me. Let me make Ingray a drink too." So then he topped it off with a little bit of orange juice and stirred it up. Oh. He goes, oh. he's like, yeah. now that's a fucking drink. <laughs> that a fucking right the bear grill <laughs> screwdriver, man. That's a bear grill yeah. screwdriver. That's a real <laughs> screwdriver, for real. A Phillips, a Phillips screwdriver. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. But great. Oh, yeah, boy. that was a classic <laughs> story. Um, That wasn't my story. I wish it was my story. <laughs> That's a great story. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think this might be time for a good story that I could tell about the old well, Harkin back days. to the Crip Kicker. Yeah. Now, 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 Red Bull and I went to see you play uh, down in uh, down in the flats. Where was it? In the was Peabody's. 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 Yeah. The original Peabody's uh, yeah. location. Was that, was that when uh, no Cole Chamber? I don't think was playing with them, but. Uh, yeah, we're down there, and and um, I don't know if you know this about Dreadbull, but he he doesn't handle his mixed liquor very well. You know, now we do. A beer, I start drinking Jaeger beer, Mike. Oh, so anyway, so um, <laughs> well, I'll 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 blame my buddy Larry. You remember Larry Yost? He probably oh, yeah. listened to this. Hi, Larry. He, he was he, he started shoving a lot of shots my way, like, and he offered me yeah. one. I'm like, no, no, I knew it was Jaeger. Like, That's fucking don't nasty. blame it on somebody else. You did. Oh, it, I'm like, no, right. I, I right. threw them all down. I threw them down. <laughs> you threw them all down. So by the yeah. end of the show, he was uh, 
he, he was he was in a bad way so we're just walking out it's a cool wintry evening you know and and he's his he goes here you better have the keys you better drive I'm like yeah i'm gonna drive because i haven't been drinking so he sits he's like i just let me sit here for a second that's so an interesting sitting, mosh pit too in that show but yeah well, well that's another we won't story. get into any details <laughs> but there we'll are good mosh that. pits at the kicker <laughs> we'll show save that for a non-recorded episode <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, he's just, so, he, then he, so then he just starts throwing up. He's sitting outside the truck. He's like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, okay, good. It's coming up. It's coming up. Like, he pukes twice. He's like, and it was blue too. I think it was. Yeah, goes, I think I blue. It was all liquid. <laughs> so then like, he, he goes to get in the truck. He pukes one more time. I'm like, okay, it's out of his system. So we're, we're driving home and he it marks. Dremble's got his head out the window, like a dog just laying there. Ah. And I hear this, and I feel this cold mist wash over my face. Yes, and I'm like, and I go, I go, uh, Mark, is, is it snowing outside? He's like, no. I'm like, oh. And I heard another, and I feel cold mist. So, I, oh, <laughs> and so now, so he's puking every time he throws up i'm getting a wash of his puke on my oh face my and it's all liquid and cold and like and then all uh, behind me there's a car you know i can see the headlights in the car and every time he pukes i can see this car weaving back and forth <laughs> trying to like evade the streams of vomit flying behind you know and it's like and i'm like i gotta step on the gas and i can see it trying to wash its windshield you know oh. i'm like fuck oh, they're gonna catch this i like i gunned him to like 90 marks like, yeah. and, you know? and i think by the time oh. we got home he had puked everything out and was sober enough i think we had to we had to take the car to the. We took the truck. I to think the car you wash. stopped. You were nice enough to stop and 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 uh, power wash. Yeah, I power washed the back. The outside there of the car, everywhere. Yeah, the you know, inside the car, <laughs> outside the car. The back I'm window is like stained glass. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, it was, it was really and it was just you know. And then I remember when Dreadbull went to sell that truck a few years ago. He said he was still finding. Little tiny dried oh. bits of vomit in the crevices. <laughs> oh my god. The great soap. Bravo. <laughs> uh, Bravo. So that's yeah. what you know. Well you got me that home safely though, so I appreciate that. Uh, that's that's what you know, to this for. day I have lost my taste for liquor of any kind. I don't drink hard liquor. <laughs> I have never drank hard liquor since then. Red balls. Since then it ruined me. You lost yeah. your taste for hard hard no liquor long. and and Crip Kicker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did I go to any shows after that? You're probably not. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, thought that's, that's I get nauseous good. when I listen to Crip Kicker, but it's nothing to do with the music. <laughs> oh, Bad association. Oh. Oh, that's good. Oh. We've all had our moments. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. you you do you do a uh, oh sorry Mark did you no, wanna, no 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 go ahead I I just want to chime in so you're 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 in a maiden tribute band called Maiden Voyage do you want to touch on that like how did that start because you're in that band with Ty Cook who was also in Antithesis you're in that band with Ed Stevenson or Ed Stevens who is in every band in Cleveland uh, they, so. Yeah. I think Ed, just, Ed's been in every metal band that's ever came out of Cleveland, right? <laughs> and, yeah, every Cleveland band, in or out, features Ed. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite Ed story? Let's 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 do that. Oh, What's your favorite oh, Ed man, story? I got a good Ed story. Um, he was in Beyond Fear for a little while. I did not know this. 
Mm-hmm. See? Wild card. <laughs> yep. Always always dealing them out, man. <laughs> no, um, he uh <laughs> he replaced the original bass player, Dennis uh Dennis Hayes. And, okay, uh, Dennis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis is a great guy, great bass player. But Seven um, Witches, right? He was also in Seven Witches, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was in Winter's Bane with Timmy. Okay. Originally, yeah. back in the day. And uh, him and Tim had a long history together. But um, uh, Ed replaced him. Dennis, you know, was moving, I guess, you know, to Arizona or whatnot. But, um, okay. But yeah, he, uh, Ed, never been out of the, uh, or he'd never been to Mexico to play a show before. And we were playing uh, one of these little, like, weekend you know festivals and coming back home you know flying in and then flying back you know but uh ed was kind of nervous because of all the cartel violence and stuff yeah and uh, john john capri's like um um hey man he he started messing with that because that's you know ed is a really like timid kind of passive guy super nice like awesome bass Love player, but he he Love wouldn't harm a fly right like He's afraid of spiders. I mean, the guy's <laughs> yes, like, he yeah, he hates insects. And stuff. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's like he wouldn't hurt him a fly. Literally, when I say that, I mean it. And so John's kind of messing with them now. So he's telling them, hey, dude, when we go down there, I just want you to be prepared that when we get off the flight, they like greet us in like armored vehicles with like flak jackets <laughs> and, and helmets to put on because it's so dangerous, man. There's like boys flying. <laughs> you know, you got to like make a run for it from the plane to the armored car and shit, you know? And, uh, and uh, yeah, you don't want to go anywhere because you probably would get kidnapped. But yeah, so he was just scaring the crap out of Ed. So Ed's like, oh man, I don't know if I want to go, man, you know? And we're like, Ed, it'd be all right, you know? And Matt, Matt Sorg, who is in Ringworm, yes, he was in uh, Beyond Fear with us for the last couple of years, too. Okay, and, uh, didn't know he that either. Wrote a, he wrote a couple songs for the what would have been the, you know, the second um, Beyond Fear record, which were okay. really cool, like cool, thrashy stuff, you know? Yeah. I was like, man, I, was, I loved them, man. But um, I loved playing those songs, too. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, he was with us. So Matt was always busting his balls because they were in Ringworm together, you know? Right. So that's how... That's that was the whole tie. John was in Ringworm, so he brought Matt and, right, and right, right, Ed, you know, into Beyond Fear. So Ed, you know, he's nervous as shit. So at the show, the night of the show, we've always worked with this promoter, and he was super cool. He'd always pick us up, take us anywhere we wanted to go. He was like, If you guys want to go anywhere, me and my you know, production guy will handle everything, you know, my assistant, you know, you don't go anywhere without us, you know. So yeah, but we're like, okay, Ed's really nervous. Ed's nervous as shit. So after the show, we want you to pretend that we got to get the fuck out of town because <laughs> there's a guy who's in the cartel who just happens to be in the show. And I uh, 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 he's mad at Ed because Ed was giving his woman the eyes, you know, like, and, and maybe dry him up oh, on face too much, you know. Doing, yeah. Oh, goodness. Hey, man. Too much play slap in the face. So he goes, okay, okay. So this guy, George, he's like, okay, I'll play along. So uh, like five, ten minutes after we're done, he comes storming in the dressing room. He's like, yo, guys, Vaminos, Vaminos, we got to go, we got to go. <laughs> And he's like, what's going on? We're all, you know, trying to play along. What's happening? What do you mean? And he's acting like, you know, 
uh, the, you know, the sky's falling, man. We need to pack up and get the fuck out of here, you know? And uh, we're like, what's wrong, George? What's wrong? You know, and Tim, Tim Ripper's trying to play along too. He's like, oh shit, what's happening? He's, he can't act for shit. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, dude, you can't, you know, pull it off better now. He's like, oh, geez, what's happening? You know? uh, <laughs> a little great. more sense of panic, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he comes in and, and he goes, man, this guy's pissed. And he's outside and he wants to kick Ed's ass. And Ed's like, what? What did I do? You know? And um, he's like, Ed, I guess he said you were looking at his old lady while you were playing. And he doesn't like that shit, man. <laughs> He said you were grinding your bass too much in her direction. Pure panic mode. And this was kind of like his initiation into the band, so to speak, you know, like yes. you gotta bust his chops. So anyway, we just let it ride out until it was like he was literally like, Oh my god, oh my god, I didn't do nothing, I didn't do nothing. He's shaking, and finally <laughs> it was like you could see the panic, this pure terror in yeah. his eyes, like, oh shit, this guy from the cartel's gonna kill me. And we finally let it, you know, the cat out of the bag. Hey, we're just fucking with you. And he was so mad. He he was like, first person he accused of setting him up was Matt because Matt was always messing with him. And he grabs Matt and he's like, "You motherfucker, I'm gonna kill you." And Matt's like, "Matt's like, it wasn't me, it was Eric, you know." And Ed's like, you know, he was telling me that he was he was getting mad at, at uh, you know Matt because Matt was always messing with him. I'm like, Ed, you got to be more aggressive i got you got to give it back to matt you know just just mess with them back you know because that's all matt is he just likes to bust your chops and have fun but ed doesn't mess he's not a messer no he's just, no, a, sweet, no, he's just a sweetheart <laughs> he is yeah he doesn't know how to take that so i go ed you just got to tell him to fuck off and then one day matt was giving it to him you know and he goes you know what you know what, man? Fuck you, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, that that was our little initiation for 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 Ed into the band back then. I think it was like 2011 or something. It was a fun yeah. time though. But Great yeah, story. I used to hang out with Ed in Lakewood, and yeah, he was just like such a nice guy. I used to go drinking with him and stuff like that, and. He, and yeah, just hearing that he's in every single Cleveland. That's a small band. It's like hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to hang out with him a lot. He's a beautiful soul. Ed is a beautiful he soul. Is. He really is. And so is his sister, yep. you know. They're both great people. And uh yeah, great. when I in Lakewood. Great. And a phenomenal bass been... player. Yes. Yeah. He used to he do like worked. a little bit in the school of rock and stuff like that. And he <clears> taught <throat> one of my friend's son's bass and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. So it was always fun to go to those school of rock shows and stuff and you know he just he's just loves music obviously you know yeah absolutely real good guy real good guy <laughs> so that's funny to hear the stories he sucks <laughs> <laughs> i'm tagging him when this airs so <laughs> nice <clears throat> i i text that bastard he never texts me back you know? <laughs> <That> brick, <laughs> well what time did you text kidding. him because you know there's Ed time. He, he doesn't get up till like three in the afternoon. So that, that is true. That's like when I get off of work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, kitties. This is Montag, Master of Illusion. You have been listening to part one of our interview with Eric 
Elkins. You can find Heavy Metal Horror on UnsaneRadio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can find us on Facebook, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. On Instagram, look for Montag Lewis, one word. Our brand new YouTube page, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Hey, you know somebody who'd like our show? Tell them about us. This has been Montag. Master of Illusion, and you've been listening to Heavy Metal Horror. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror, the best podcast that you've never heard before. <laughs>